Welcome to Happy Times and Places, a positively charged Doctor Who episode commentary podcast in which I, Toby Haydock, get a friend of mine to choose a Doctor Who story and to tell me what their favourite things about it are, and I have to see if mine are the same. Hi Toby, it's Derek here. Thank you so much for letting me participate in this. Although I'm normally a Star Trek fan, Doctor Who, classic Doctor Who, will always have a special place in my heart. And it's Tom Baker who is my doctor. I first saw him when he was first broadcast in America on WOR-TV in New York City in 1978. And me and my friends lapped it up. The adventures of him and Sarah Jane Smith and Harry Sullivan and the Brigadier just ate everything about it. So, the following year, when I got a chance to go visit my grandparents in Belfast for a few weeks at Christmas time, and they were showing a cereal from years ahead of when we were gonna see it in America, I ate it up. It was like looking into the future, appropriately enough. The cereal was my nightmare of Eden. And over the years, it's had a critical lambasting from fans and reviewers for various reasons. But I would like people just maybe to give it a second try. Well, hello, everybody. I'm a little bit behind. So um, I was going to watch The Terror uh, on BBC iPlayer, and I've got a couple of other things to catch up on as well. But I thought, nope, uh, I need to do a Doctor Who. So I, I've done, I mean, I don't tend to prep for these anyway, but at least I think about them as I'm approaching them. Right, right. what's the next one on my vague schedule? Uh, and it's Nightmare of... Eden, uh, as you have just heard uh, my friend Derek say, who I haven't seen for so many years. He lives not far away, but we just, uh, I guess we don't move in the same uh, orbit at the, uh, uh, and haven't done re- uh, in, in recent years. Uh, so it's really nice to hear his voice. Uh, and I, I knew he was big on on Star Trek and things, but I, I, I knew he knew his his who. So I'm, uh, I'm very pleased that he responded Um to my uh, suggestion that he uh, he take part in this, uh, and he has suggested Nightmare of Eden. So uh, we are going to. I've got the DVD uh, ready to play, uh, and I'm gonna I'm gonna go for the play all option um, when I can find the remote control which I have attached to the DVD player. Um, we're going to press play in three, two, one. Uh, okay, so this is Nightmare of Eden, which... Uh, was it Nightmare on Eden? I, <laughs> I, I It's only playing around in my head because somebody on my Facebook today... When I, I can't remember what it was, uh, I, I said I couldn't remember something, and they said there's there's three things they don't know if the Sunmakers, one word or two, uh, whether it's Warriors of the Deep or Warriors from the Deep, or whether it's Nightmare of or on Eden, uh, it's Nightmare of Eden by Bob Maker, not with Dave Martin. Um, I remember this from my youth, so my journey with it, appropriately, uh, has been a slightly tempestuous one. It's a very early memory I have, and I remember. I remember being in bits of my house uh, and, and thinking of the Doctor Who that I'd I'd seen that week, and I, I very much remember the 
I remember these two. Uh, I remember Seca being being all cheerful and slightly dotty, and 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 then he you know gets uh, he gets fractious later on. Um, this is quite a good wheeze, isn't it? To have the uh, have the passengers all in these uh, having their heads covered and and wearing the funkiest glasses like they're in the video uh, for video killed the radio star because it means later on when the doctor goes from cabin to cabin you can have the same same bunch of actors uh, <laughs> not have to uh, hire lots of different people. Um, so Nightmare of Eden um, season seventeen, which was which is really my first is the first season I remember all of. Um, and then, of course, when I uh, I started encountering fans and fandom later on, season 17 was a dirty couple of words. Uh, and uh, it, it was the one it was, you know, fortunate to, as Derek put it, lambaste. Uh, uh, um, and I was quite surprised by this because this had been the who that had you know, lured me in. I have memories of The Invisible Enemy and some of the Key to Time stuff, but but this is, this is I remember, pretty much on a week-by-week week basis, you know. I was I was watching Doctor every week and um, loving it. Um, and I remember David Dacre. He was a very familiar actor uh, to us um, and was in Alan Bromley's previous Doctor Who and only other Doctor Who, the uh, the Time Warrior, uh, as in he plays Iron Gron in that. And I think he's he's great in that, and I think he's good in this. I remember this image, and what a brilliant wheeze this is, isn't it? What a what a great idea for a plot. I I, I I'm not a scientist, but I, I I buy the idea of a ship sort of, um, you know, materializing out of hyperspace or whatever, uh, and doing it at the same time as a, another ship, and the two of them sort of fusing together. Um, uh, and I think this is Richard Barnes as the crewman who I know an actor called Richard Barnes who had to change his name to Dick. He's called Richard Eaton or Dickie Eaton. Uh, uh, we, we waited together on tables together, but he had to change his name because he said there's another actor called Richard Barnes. I was like, yes, he's he's the he's a crewman in Nightmare of Eden. But he actually uh, he had a decent role. He plays Quincy in the BBC Philip Savile Dracula with Louis Jordan, and Frank Finley. So he has a very good part in that. But um, uh now, Stephen Jen, uh, when we came to do the commentary of this, the commentary for this, we I'm on the DVD commentary of this DVD. Oh, how exciting. Uh, we really struggled to get people. And I'll, I'll go through the reasons why as we uh, go through it. So the, the Doctor and Romana uh, have landed aboard the TARDIS, um, uh, landed aboard uh, the, the, uh, the Empress. Uh, uh, and, and there's these... these sort of out-of-phase interfaces where the ships are sort of merged and sort of fused together in a, a sort of neverwhere, netherware, which is, I, I buy as a scientifically plausible idea, and it's a great setup for a story. Um, now, I, I suppose um, the story's bad. I remember Jeffrey Bateman. He's got very... It didn't seem like very 70s hair at the time. <laughs> Jeffrey Bateman as Dimond, and I just remember him as, the, you know, the, the guy on the other ship who had a silver suit a lot. Um, uh, he's, a, he's a fine actor. He lives in France now. That's why we couldn't get him. Um, although I don't, I don't know if he's that interested either. Um, he had a great late flourishing of his career because he was a regular in This Life. Um... Uh, which was a huge successful series here, um, starring Jack Davenport and Andrew Lincoln and Daniela Nardini, and uh, and he was their boss at the firm. So a good part, a good regular part in it. But uh, he lives and still works in France. Um, but um, 
I tried to get him to contribute to an article about the because uh, he'd, he'd replied to Ed Stradling, the producer, um, who, who desperately tried to make a documentary about Nightmare of Eden and failed because we couldn't get anybody. Um, so instead, we inter- just interviewed Mitch Mitchell and Bob Baker, I think. Mitch Mitchell, who does the vis- who does the video effects, but can Mitch can talk. He if if he can tell you a story from beginning to end and to go everywhere else in between, he will. And I say that with great affection. I've had loads of really interesting chat. Well, I wouldn't say chat listens to Mitch. Mitch does not need anybody to join in. Uh, he's a great guy, great guy. So you know, very good value uh, when you're when you're doing a documentary and you're short of people. Um, uh, and I mean, I. So so yes so um, Jeffrey Bateman had had said I think you know thanks but no thanks so Ed had his email so I emailed him when Rodney Bennett died the director of Sotara Experiment Mask of Mandragora Ark in Space um, to to write a tribute for Doc Two magazine but um, because they'd worked together on other things but I I never heard back um, he was he sent a very polite thing back to Ed but just said I I don't remember anything and it's not worth coming back from. France for I think lots of Doctor Who actors go and live in France. David Dacre um, d- just doesn't do interviews anymore, um, so we we couldn't get him. Um, Tom Baker, I think, wasn't doing them at that point, or we couldn't afford him, or whatever. Um, I, I know Tom 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 was out of the question, but Stephen Jen, who plays Seca, um, was was sadly he he'd had a stroke very young and was was in a was in, in not a good uh, uh, condition in a in a in a rest home sadly we did we discovered um i think on the day of the recording oh, i was i was told that's why we'd not been able to track him down but an interesting thing uh, that isn't on the commentary but i think i am allowed to divulge because uh, i didn't on the commentary because um i love this ga- ga- uh, ga- galactic I, I like the character of rig because he, he he's not daft and he and he does his you know, he does his research, uh, and and he's the sort of point of view character at the beginning, which means for interesting stuff later on. Um, so yes, um, Joan Stribling, who we got for the commentary, who's the makeup designer, said, uh, "Oh, I had to make a wig for this because one of, one of the actors um, was bald." Um, but she said she wouldn't say say which one. But Stephen Jen, you can. You, you know because he's in Ultra World, uh, the Blake Seven, which required three bald actors, uh, and he's in loads of other stuff. Uh, uh, and I think he had alopecia or something. Um, uh, and so he he is wearing a wig. Seca is wearing a wig, and it's a very good wig. Um, interesting. Now you just go let the actor be bald for goodness' sake. Um, uh, and his brother, because his brother is the actor Michael Jen, who is. Uh, uh, the guy in the cell in the name of the Doctor. He's a very interesting, movementy sort of actor. He's in World War Z as World War Z. I can't call it that. Um, he does some of the zombie movement in that. I think um, he's a, he's a very interesting physical actor. Um, uh, so Michael and Stephen Jen are two people who've been. I'm, I think I'm writing saying he's he's his brother. Yes, you could. T- yes, I'm gonna I'm gonna go for that. Now here we of course have the fact the reason that Seca is starting to misbehave which i didn't understand as a, a child at all having been jolly uh, uh, and 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 a bit woozy uh, and i suppose i probably thought he was drunk i'd probably get that he's um he's on drugs i'm sure i didn't realize this was about drugs when i was f- f- what for um uh, uh, <laughs> no i didn't um uh and i think stephen jen does the does the the, the transition from 
you know, high as a kite, uh, really edgy and, um, is it, is it, uh, uh, you know, b- b- being strung out and, and withdrawal. I was going to say jonesing, but I don't know if that, I don't know if that's the lingo. Um, but he's, he's strung out and he's, he's, he's on withdrawal symptoms. Which is very grown up. And I, I'm quite happy for Doc 2 to go there. And I actually think, again, it's a great concept for, uh, for, uh, story the whole drug element and the and the science behind the drugs and the revelation of what the drugs are i think is all great stuff but here we get to one of the reasons why this story has a bad reputation is that you have a fine uh sardonic australian actor lewis fyander um who decides to play trist um whose name is the giveaway as, as to what he's up to i think um uh a silly German Germanic accent, and he goes, "I'm in Doctor Who, so and I'm playing a scientist, so I will uh, I'll play him like this, huh?" And nobody went, "Don't do that." Um, I mean, I mean, it's 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 not a bad performance, and it's not too silly a performance. I I remember not thinking he was a funny character when I was four but i i i do think it's an unfortunate choice i i i think during this period of the show i think a lot of actors take a look at tom baker and have an attitude towards doctor who and go oh this is a chance to muck about a bit you don't i mean i don't know if the world's any better place now that there's so little work around for actors you can't spend a month on a job and go I'll dick about for this one. <laughs> I'll send myself a. I, I, I mean, unless you're an actor of great, great s- s- stature. But I, you know, I think. Well, I mean, I, I do know of one who, but they, 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 they cut cut round an actor in a in a more recent who who uh, who decided to ask about. Um, but Doctor Who's history has an illustrious history of actors coming in and and mucking about. And I think it takes a certain kind of actor to to get away with it. And not even Tom Baker gets away with it all of the time. And Tom Baker is a very funny, mercurial, otherworldly genius. Um, but even he, I mean, genius, I've worked with some genius comedians. And they're not always on song because it sounds counterintuitive to say this. Genius does occasionally need to be sort of herded um or or kept in kept in check or or at least siphoned in the right direction and i think i'm you know i'm not saying anything uh that is unknown at this period that graham williams was perhaps not the firmest of producers and that gave tom baker a bit of a hand and that meant that he has moments i think of utter brilliance even now and there are moments of brilliance in this story and he has the odd moment where it would have could have just done with somebody going do you want to perhaps not do that um but of course we we know that he didn't see eye to eye with alan bromley the director of this who was very senior he'd been a producer at the bbc and and but was now in the sort of twilight of his career and was and was directing um never quite got to the bottom of what what happened here i mean lala ward says that you know at one point he says is the director in the box or a conductor or something and was quite waspish and and uh and 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 i think that alan bromley didn't know how to handle tom baker that's brilliant i love that secker going into the mist with all the light it's it's quite strange it's quite unnerving uh and the fact that he's 
so sort of jolly uh, uh, about it, uh, you know, gives it a slightly creepy edge as well. I think there's so, I, you know, I, when, when I, this was quite late in my sort of collecting of bootlegs, if you like, partially because not many people had season 17 stuff. Um, I know, I don't know if anyone was particularly hurried to get it because I think, because a lot of us remembered um, these stories. We wanted to get stuff that had been on before we were born, or certainly I did. So I, I, I remember, and I remember when we got this, it was, it had all the episode endings. It was all edited together so you could get this and I think the Horns of Nymon onto one VHS. And I, I don't, I don't like it when the credits are cut off because I like reading the credits because I'm certifiable. Um, uh, and so, so that's, I remember that's where, I, that's when I first revisited it and having heard that it was, you know, it was awful and full of mistakes and fluffs and, and, and ill-judged bits. I think there are a few, but, but it's, uh, I, I think it's, uh, and, and Horns of Nymon was the one that everybody really sort of laid into and, and, and didn't like at all. I think It'll be interesting when we come to horns because I, I find horns quite entertaining. But I think this is much this is much better than the horns of Nymon. I think it's better than Creature from the Pit. Um, I even might like it more than Destiny of the Daleks. Uh, uh, City of Death is obviously a, a, this this weird, strange, um, uh, uh, you know, brilliant shining beacon in the, in the middle of a quite a wayward season. But I I find this thoroughly entertaining. Uh, I think it's got lots of good ideas in it. Um, I I like his glasses. This is a this is a bit this is a bit silly. Um, uh, and the way he he pulls the the face and goes he he died. Uh, I, I I just just not a believable moment. Um, but there are other moments where I where I think he he gives quite an interesting performance. But it, it I, I I'm not sure it's the correct choice, and it's it's a shame because I've I've. I've I've heard interviews with Louis Fyander where he came, came comes across as a, a very sort of urbane and intelligent and as I say a slightly sardonic fellow and if he'd had all those qualities as Trist I think he actually would have been more interesting than than the sort of mucking about um, but I still don't think it's I still don't think it's terrible um, David Dacre on the other hand I think is excellent um, and, and and judges exactly how. Uh, to, to play it properly and I so remember this I remember the 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 thing coming out and biting her on the neck and her collapsing so this is where my memories start to become melded with my my childhood this is my my Doctor Who and these these planets that this that she's seeing Romana on the CET screen another idea so there's three ideas at the core of this you've got the the uh you know the bit that captures bits of worlds. Um, the, the Eden bit is obviously a bit more like a studio than all of the other planets. The other, the other planets. Uh, yes, I have captured a bit of the planet Eden and some more convincing planets. Uh, on if you twist the dial uh, to see some some planets that are slightly better rendered because they are uh, on film or stock footage. I think they they look like film models to me. Um. Uh, oh, oh, that's a great shot of Stott, uh, an uncredited Barry Andrews in episode one. Um, uh, spoilers, everybody. Um, uh, Jennifer Lonsdale as Della. Um, uh, we couldn't find her. Uh, she since has been found. She's she's not the wife of the sheriff of Nottingham, but it's something like that. She's quite high up in 
in local government wherever it is she lives and she's quite posh uh and i know she signed things and and sent things to people but she's she's not done an interview we couldn't get hold of her for the commentary so we were really we were <laughs> that's why the dvd of nightmare of eden is quite sparse uh i hope uh if ever season 17 comes onto the the, the blu-ray range there's a, a few gaps can be plugged or a few attempts can be made to to have another bash um I thought we did well with the commentary. We got uh, we got Bob Baker, we got Colin Maps in the special effects, we got Jones dribbling the makeup, uh, Lala Ward, um, and Peter Craze for the last two episodes. So we, but but that was literally everybody we could get. That's uh, very good um, uh, scar makeup on Stephen Jen there, who's 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 given a good so single episode performance, um, and. That's a great, it's a great Doctor Who thing. Going into the smoke, you hear a scream, you drag him out, he's got a scar on his face. I'm loving this. I think this is really t terrific uh, stuff. It's setting up the mystery. Um, that these, these spaceship corridors are quite big and bulky and open, um, which is what you want for this kind of sort of cruise liner. It makes sense. So what you lose in, you know, oppressive atmosphere that you might have in a, in a sort of smaller, sort of creepier set, I think... Uh, I think it works for the action stuff later on, and and the lighting in these uh, um, sort of cupboard scenes is uh, uh, is is very good, um, and there's a great mystery going on here. Somebody's nixed the Vraxo in. Uh, I, I think when I saw it written down, uh, Stott again, isn't it, with his laser gun? And I like a laser effect uh, when I oh, and I yeah, and I like the little circles that it does when it hits him. Um, of course, he's only stunned. Um, I, I thought it was called Vra Vraxoin, uh, and to, but of course it's Vraxoin like heroin. Vraxoin heroin. Uh, and I th I think it was at Lala Ward's insistence it was changed from being called Zip, which she thought was too funky a name. And I think that was a good call. And Vraxoin is a, is a good name. Um, uh, and I, I, I like that. that I, I, I sort of, you know, the medical centre with them doing an operation. That, that's pleasingly uh sort of grounding it's a bit like we recognize that as a as a as a, 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 a something from from the here and now um uh, and, and you know the idea of people having operations and things like that isn't often is a, is a sort of moment of realism that is is sometimes missing from spacier stories um so i think elements like that are good i think that the, the slightly sparkly chiffony elements of the costumes are perhaps a, a mistake now that's gary dean i think he's called that extra who shakes said he died a couple of years ago and uh i'd not really noticed him and then when i noticed he died i sort of had a look up and he went oh he's in loads of doctor who's but i think that's probably his his greatest moment is when he comes and sh doctor who shakes his head so i salute you gary dean uh uh uh, uh extra extraordinaire um bushwhacked um there's a real sort of terse, simmering anger to Tom Baker's Doctor when he's not in a good mood that I think is really, really effective. Um, it, it, it means I would be slightly worried about working with him at that time, I think. But I think these two are, are very good at the drama. So we always think of them as being sort of light and funny and having that, that, that relationship based on the fact that they were 
they fell in love. But they're, but they're both very good. She's got a real sense of urgent danger, and he's got a and he's he's I say he's got a he, he, he you know he's got a he's got a burning aggravation uh, uh, that can only be had by somebody you know who's 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 been to the edge of the universe and back and and, and knows what can happen when things go wrong. Um. But yeah, but yeah. So I was I was one of the original viewers of this all those years ago. Um, <laughs> uh, and of, and of course, uh, Alan Bromley, the director. Little did I know, I certainly didn't know at the time. Um, was removed or walked out. Graham Williams took over. I remember actually having having done the the d DVD commentary and got what we could, where people and people were a bit coy as well. I think because in in an official BBC studio, even you know, even though we're just in a re recording booth in a. For a DVD thing, people people don't necessarily go into as as much detail as, as you might if you were having a chat with somebody in a pub. Let's be honest. Um, although I try and prize it out of them, I really do. Um, uh, and and I mean, there are some things that are then said to you in between episodes one and two that you go, okay, you've told you've told us that, but you don't want us to bring it up. That didn't particularly happen with this one, but it has happened with with other ones. Um, Oh, she hasn't been bitten by the thing yet, but she does. She gets bitten in a minute. You you know this. <laughs> if you don't know it, watch it first before you listen to me blathering on. Um, they look like they were just waiting for their cue. Um, David Dacre and Tom Baker. Um, so then uh, I did a Who's Round uh, with Rob Goodman, who has since been in Doctor Who. Um, uh, well, he's he's in Doctor Who a lot. He's an extra, but he's had a speaking role in the, in the new series in... Uh, 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 with Peter Capaldi, um, but he was an extra in the old show, and, this, and so I interviewed him before he'd been cast in the new series. Rob, he's a great, he's a really interesting guy. He's into Alan Moore and magic and all sorts of stuff, and he's he's a bit, he's a bit, he's a bit sort of cool. Uh, is 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 Rob? But he's a he's a mandrel in this, uh, and uh, he's an extra in Trial of a Time Lord and Castro Valver and a few others. And so I thought, oh, that's great because he'll he'll give me all the goss on uh, the director walking out. He didn't even know. <laughs> Because I guess those guys come in quite late in the studio and are just sort of shepherded about and told to, you know, raise your arms here, shuffle down that corridor. So he didn't even, uh, he, he had no insight at all into Alan Bromley's, uh, uh, of, uh, you know, not not a common occurrence for Doctor Who. Is it the only time? Um, I think you can see see the fingers holding. Yeah. So, uh, now I remember, and I didn't see the fingers holding, uh, when I was a lad, and I actually think those glowing green eyes and that that brief shot of the mandrel, where you can't see that its arms can't bend or that it's got flared legs, uh, I think the mandrel looks absolutely fantastic. Um, look at these beautiful uh, single—it was Richard Barnes—single uh, caption credits for all of the actors. Oh, those were the days. Um, yeah, so. Uh, is is Alan Bromley the only classic series director to uh, to not make it to the end? Yeah, Paul Joyce on Warriors Gate uh, uh, was, I think, fired and then came back or walked out and then came back. But he did he did complete the project. Alan Bromley did not. Graham Williams uh, took over. So I need to pause that before it starts. Well, that ship has sailed. So um, anyway, I will pause that uh, if I know which direction to point in. Uh, oh, and I have to choose my favourite thing 
about episode one of Nightmare of Eden. Well, there's so much, I'm rather spoilt for choice. But I think the thing that sticks, it's stuck in my mind as an image. I think it's the sort of headline news of the pitch uh, of the story. And I think it is a very sound idea that has so much potential. The idea of the two ships fused in space and all of that 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 brings to the plot. I think it's a brilliant idea. And it's a, you know, it's a unique idea for Doctor Who. Um, it's brimming with potential. It also gives you that great visual. Um, <coughs> and the story adds so many layers to it. What a great story. Um, uh, I didn't expect I would be doing quite such a song and dance about Nightmare of Eden. So I'm going to start, I think, for episode one. Uh, be and because it's pretty much the first thing that happens and it, and it hangs over the rest of the story. The idea of the two ships fused in space. That is what I am going to pick. What has my friend Derek chosen as his thing about episode one? Number one, the dialogue. Interfere? Of course we should interfere. Always do what you're best at. That's what Doctor tells Romana, and that basically sums up his philosophy, both before and after Tom Baker came along. And yes, that's it. It was that snappy dialogue. It re reminded me of, of the Marx Brothers movies, when he was caught out pretending to be a member of a salvage company because the salvage company closed 20 years before. He doesn't apologize. He simply responds with, no wonder I never got paid. <laughs> it was things like that. It was it was just that sort of snappy dialogue that he helped him get out of things where other heroes might have used a laser or their fist. I loved that about him. He, he used his brain. He used his wit. Ah, so right. Now, interesting. I don't know if Derek's doing, therefore, a thing per episode or he's just choosing a number of things. That's fine. There are no real rules with this. It's legitimate. And uh, it means I can't choose the dialogue. Uh, which is a shame, cause, and I love that bit about, <laughs> no, I wonder, I wonder why I hadn't been paid. That is such a great comeback. Um, and there are some very good lines in, in, in it. Um, uh, and I love the fact that one of our American friends, what he responds to about the character of the Doctor is is what separates him from a lot of the sort of American type characters on television at this time, and maybe why we talk sometimes about Doctor's inherent Britishness. And I think those lines are a little bit more blurred now, but certainly at the time. Um, and, I, and I'm pleased that that's one of the things that appeals uh, to Derek. And I'm uh, it was one of the reasons I, I was I was keen for him to do this as well, um, uh, and, and you know, and to, to bring his 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 appreciation of it as as uh, he lives in the UK. Um, so as, as, you know, as an, uh, as somebody we've adopted, but whose, whose, you know, experience, early experience of Doctor Who was as, as an American, uh, you know, coming to, to the UK or whatever. Um, so yeah, I think the dialogue now I can't choose that, but if he chooses the, the fusion of the spaceships thing, I, you know, I get a point for that. And what do points mean? N not entirely sure at this stage. Uh, I'm just going to keep on guessing. And, and, and if, if I, if, if. Out of the five things that we guess, if three of them are identical, I win, and I think I get to kill Derek. I think it's, it's something like that. It's just a silly little competition, silly little competition like that where where his life is at stake. Um, as I say, the rules aren't that clear, but I, I think death seems like a fair punishment. 
but I, I absolutely think, yeah, there is some great dialogue uh, in, in Nightmare in Eden. So uh, that's a fair point to Derek. Okay, that's the end of part one. Uh, had a lot to say there, didn't we? Uh, I, uh, which is good. Unfortunately, I talk all the way through, which means I don't get to hear the dialogue as much as I would like. So he's also, that's quite a canny thing for him to choose because I, I'm going to have to be on high alert if I'm ever to choose a line uh, or a piece of scripting. Or I just need to get better at this and, and listen and talk at the same time. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, which many people who have met me would say I have yet to master. But look, um, good. I'm glad I'm watching this and not uh, the terror, although there's uh, going to be a blizzard of white stuff in this uh, if I'm to carry on, but white stuff of a different kind. Uh, but it'll still make you chill out. Um, so uh, thanks for listening to Nightmare of Eden Part 1. Uh, I'm going to give uh, episode two a go now, but you'll have to wait until the very next episode of Happy Times and Places, because this one is about to come to an end. Goodbye. Thank you so much for listening to Happy Times and Places, which is presented by me, Toby Haydock. My special guest this time around is Derek O'Brien. Check out Derek's original Star Trek stories at ussshorefoot.blogspot.com Thanks Derek. Thanks too to my patrons who include Ruben Herfindahl, Peter Harness, Rob Leonard, Stephen Moffat, Richard Straw, Mark Owen, Jenny at Blue Box 99, Paul Cook, Rob Dawson, John Deere, Chris Dunford-Kelk, Siobhan Galichon, Ian Key, Joe Llewellyn, Darren Mackay, Barry Platt, Luke Atkins, Peter Adamson, Will Brooks, Peter Burns, Rick Byatt, Paul Carnahan, Paul Carrington, and Andy Case. The music for this podcast is specially composed by Dave Gates, and the podcast artwork is by Dylan Patterson. You too can support these podcasts by subscribing. Subscribers get early releases, exclusive material, and some even qualify for a badge. That's if they subscribe at patreon.com forward slash Toby Haydock, where you can join for as little as £3 a month. You do get charged straight away, though, but it goes from £3 higher and higher and higher. It's generally a one-size-fits-all, but there are some carrots dangled for the higher tiers. I understand time's tough, though, so I'm grateful to everybody for just listening. If, however, you can manage a one-off payment rather than a monthly thing, you can do that at ko-fi.com forward slash Toby Haydock. But do you know what's free and costs nothing? Going to your podcast outlet and giving these a five-star rating and perhaps even a substantial review saying lots of lovely things about it. All that sort of stuff really helps to make my algorithms look like the best algorithms in the whole wide world. And that just helps, I'm told. The end. You can also subscribe to my YouTube channel. Uh, and if you like live comedy, if you go to twitch.tv forward slash excess malarkey every Tuesday at 8pm GMT, I'll be there emceeing Excess Malarkey Comedy Club as I have for 24 years. I normally do it in a building, but during lockdown until at least July 2021, we reckon... 
It's going to be online, twitch.tv forward slash excessmalarkey. Me, with uh, at least four fine comics from the international comedy circuit. So head there and enjoy that. <laughs>